Greetings and welcome to Sarah Petroni, the latest edition of my twosome with my uh, radio colleague, Richard Serrett. I am Mark Petroni, host of the Mark Petroni Show on Saga, 960 AM. And Richard Serrett, you can listen to him uh, every afternoon on Saga, 960 from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern. Welcome once again, Richard. Hey, Mark. Great to be here. All right. So uh, we're told that uh, if you're vaccinated, you're feeling, uh, well, not very warm and fuzzy towards those who are unvaxxed. Tensions apparently are high. I, I don't know if this was a push poll or not. Tensions high between the vaccinated and unvaccinated in Canada. That according to a poll by Leger, a new poll suggesting tensions over COVID-19 vaccines in Canada are high as frictions grow between those who are vaccinated against the virus or those who are not. The Leger survey conducted for the Association of Canadian Studies found that more than three in four respondents hold negative views of those who are not immunized. Gee, I can't imagine why we just had the uh, the prime minister spend an entire election campaign demonizing anybody who was remotely uh, associated with not wanting to be vaccinated. So uh, it doesn't surprise me, but part of me is a little wary of polls like this. I mean, what do you mean negative feelings? You know, what does that exactly mean? Right. Well, I saw a CTV poll. It's not really a poll. I guess it's more of an audience survey that showed, I don't know what it was, 73, 75% of respondents to the CTV survey uh, were opposed to, uh, you know, vaccine mandates and passports and, and such. So I would, I would presume that among the 75%, you know, some of those were doubly vaccinated. Uh, but you're right. It's no surprise. They've been ginning this, this, this hatred and, and um, um, uh, enmity up any chance they get. And it's quite odious and despicable that they would, they would do that. But I think part of it is, uh, let's assume that there is some enmity uh, on the part of the vaccinated towards the unvaccinated. Think about their position. They got lied to. They got duped. They got tricked. And now, maybe a good portion of them are filled with self-loathing. Oh, how could I have been so gullible? <laughs> and so what they do is they project that um, and, and they lash out because yeah. they were, they were promised time and time again, after two weeks to uh, flatten the curve and masks work and social distance and wash your hands and everything will be all right. Well, no, now we need to get vaccinated. Ah, but once we get vaccinated, everything will go back to normal. Uh, except it didn't. And now what do they want? 120% vaccination rates. And, <laughs> Uh, yeah. Except through there's that little problem of breakthrough uh, infections. Right. They got to stop calling it breakthrough because breakthrough kind of suggests that it's rare. It's not rare. I mean, look at what's happening in Israel. So uh, I kind of understand why the, uh, I don't think it's the, the anger is necessarily directed in all cases at the unvaccinated. Again, they are just filled with such disgust and self-loathing that they got tricked this way. And also they feel be betrayed and legitimately so. They were told life would go back to normal. It didn't. They're doubly vaccinated. Now they're going to have a booster shot, maybe two booster sh shots every year. They're still wearing masks. They're still socially distance, distancing. Everything is the same, except now we have higher death rates, higher, uh, you know, post-vaccination. We have more deaths and more cases. Explain that. Um, and, and uh, you know, the, the unvaccinated are being told you need to take a vaccine to protect the vaccinated because the vaccine doesn't work. Uh, I'm not sure how that happened. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And now uh, Joe Biden, 
the fake president of the United States comes out and says, yeah, we need between 97% and 98% vaccinated uh, vaccination rates in order to get back to normal. Well, good luck with that, Joe, because <laughs> there are literally tens of millions of Americans who have no interest whatsoever in, uh, in being vaccinated get it, and getting the, getting the shot. And it shouldn't be that high. It shouldn't have to be that high. And, it, and it's funny how you're hearing different conflicting reports. I mean, uh, some are suggesting that the hospitals are actually laying off staff. I don't know if you saw that story recently, Richard, where I believe it was a, a, a hospital in Ottawa that is reportedly laying off or cutting staff due to the absence of any real huge numbers of, of patients. And then you hear what's happening in Alberta, and uh, there's talk of uh, of the Delta variant spiking and all sorts of uh, demands on resources in the healthcare system. And so I think it seems to depend on whether or not they need to push a certain narrative and what location they're in in order to push whatever they're doing. And, and the media just dutifully laps it up. And here it is, a convenient study suggesting that tensions are running high. I don't I don't think that's really true. I it could be. Uh, maybe uh, I I don't know. Do, do you think do you really have, have you noticed it in your personal life where people are maybe a little more hostile <laughs> towards those who are unvaxxed or or I mean I've I've seen a little bit of it. But I mean, I don't think they're ready to round people up yet. I don't know. What do you think? No, nothing, nothing that's been directed towards me. Although, you know, there's lots of reasons that people would have enmity towards me it has nothing to do with masks or vaccines. It's just I seem to attract that. But, uh, you know, to your point, talking about Alberta, what's happening in Alberta? So under the uh, under Premier um, uh, Kenny, Rachel Notley, they uh, <laughs> Well, they <laughs> they cut twenty five percent of the uh, the ICU beds, you know, pre COVID twenty five percent, and uh, now they have fewer, um, uh, far fewer ICU beds per uh, you know for their population than Alabama, the the one of the poorest states in the union, roughly the same population. I think Alabama has four point nine million, Alberta has four point four. They've got you know, several times more ICU beds uh, than Alberta. So they have created this artificial scarcity. Well, it's not, it's not artificial, it's real, but they made it happen. And that's, you know, that's the idea behind socialized medicine, right? Socialized medicine is rational, is rationed medicine. So on the one hand, they reduce capacity and then they inflate the numbers. How are they inflating the numbers? Well, uh, their chief medical officer, Dr. Hinshaw, just announced that if you're at home sick, uh, and you haven't been tested for COVID or refused right. to get tested for COVID, we're counting you as a COVID case. So you see, they're, <laughs> they're like squeezing, you know, they're squeezing the yeah. ICU capacity and they're inflating the cases. So, you know, come on, they're, what, are, what are they playing at? Do they think we're idiots? Yeah. And case numbers are, we all know, meaningless. Exactly. I mean, ca case numbers are what? People who've been diagnosed, apparently found to have had some COVID material in them uh, apparently a huge chunk of those who are diagnosed with covid uh, don't even know they have anything resembling covid right. as my uh, as my screen freezes uh, yeah. but you know, this is a real problem because it gives the mistaken impression that somehow um, people are a lot sicker than they are and day at no wonder people are brainwashed to the degree that they are every morning they hear the, these covid numbers 
And, uh, you know, it's like the end of the world. Well, and so a lot of the, you know, the, the governments have stopped, you know, talking so much about cases and now they're relying on another metrics, which is hospitalizations, except there's not a lot of transparency there either, because, um, when you, when you look at the hospitalizations and they break it down between vaccinated and unvaccinated, uh, well, what is their definition of, uh, unvaccinated? Well, if they're going by the CDC guidelines, that would mean that if you're within that two-week window after having your second shot, you're still considered unvaccinated. Uh, so there's that, and there's not a lot of transparency on that, what they mean by unvaccinated. And then there are incidental COVID cases. So let's say you go into the hospital for a broken ankle, but you test positive, which could be a false positive, but you still, um, you're considered to be a COVID admission. So you know, there's a lot of, there's a, a real lack of clarity and transparency when it comes to hospitalization numbers and very little context. So we have to be wary of that as well. But the main thing to me is, you know, why you would deliberately, um, you know, reduce capacity and then uh, to, you know, to below uh, Alabama levels. I mean, Alabama, oh. come on, seriously? Yeah, it's almost like they're doing this in order to stress the system, which then they can blame on COVID numbers. <laughs> you, know what I, exactly. you know what I'm saying? The, it's like, yeah, yeah let's, let's uh, you know, reduce our capacity. And then when uh, more patients come in, we could just blame COVID. We could, uh, we could blame the unvaxxed. It's all their fault. That, they're the reason that there's a problem. Exactly. It has nothing to do with the, the actions they took. I, I, was, um, uh, I played a clip today from um, he's a the former vice president of the World Health Organizations. Let me see if I can find. Um, no, I've lost it. Anyway, he's a former the advisory European Vaccine Advisory Council, I guess, from World Health Organization. And um, he was basically saying that it's the vaccinated that need to be quarantined at this <laughs> point because you know they are um, shedding Delta. And uh, they're making other people sick. They're making other vaccinated people get sick. They're making the unvaccinated get sick. So we have to stop talking about this pandemic of the unvaccinated. Yeah, maybe it's absolutely. It's just, it's just the way quarantine uh, the vaccinated. Yeah, well, that's how they're trying. They're trying to whip up uh, enmity between you know one group. They, they've they've done everything in their power to try and pit one group against the other. And so that and so then you know then they come up with a survey saying, see. We told you that one group that, but I got to ask you about the two Michaels while we got time. I understand you had Senator Housakis. Yes. Uh, you were speaking to him about the state of, I mean, to me, I think the, the Chinese ended up winning this fight because they got exactly what they wanted, but they also sent a message, Richard, which is, you know, if you pick up, arrest any of our people, you know, we'll, we'll arrest twice as many. We'll torture them. We'll subject them to a long, arduous, painful, an expensive legal process will embarrass you. And so don't do it again. And so, well, who happens to have a lot of spies in Canada? Who happens to be involved in espionage, uh, corporate theft, and, you know, the buying off of, uh, of public officials? Well, it's China. China's been involved in all of that. And what happened at the, uh, the Winnipeg Level 4 lab, of course, with the two Chinese researchers, one of whom at least had ties strong ties to high-ranking military officials in china what they're really saying is yeah we know we're spying but you better not arrest our people over there because we'll uh, make life hell for anybody 
any Canadian who happens to be in China. Well, yeah, it was it was a hostage exchange, pure and simple. And the idea that uh, the crime minister, gropey blackface, would <laughs> would show up at the airport, uh, you know, like he's doing a victory lap, like he had anything to do with this. Is, yeah. I mean, I'm embarrassed for him. Uh, I would be I would feel embarrassment for him uh, if I didn't you know, hold him in such low regard. So but the thing is, um, the Chinese, they could have waited a few months at least to maintain this illusion that the two Michaels actually were, were, were rightly criminally charged. And so, you know, you can't give up, you can't override the rule of law. They were, they were found guilty. They were charged. They were, you know, they're guilty of wrongdoing, criminal wrongdoing. So therefore you can't engage in some, you know, prisoner swap. These are legitimate criminals, but they didn't do that. They didn't even want to try and, you know, create a pretense. They just, they just admitted basically by doing it at the same time. Yeah, you know, we're thugs. Um, these two Michaels, it was, these were trumped up charges. We don't care. We did it uh, tit for tat, quid pro quo, because, um, you know, you took the CFO of Huawei. So uh, don't do it again because we'll just, we'll just sweep people off the street um, at our whim. And you've been warned, we mean business. And what we should be doing, Richard, is sending the opposite message. We're not going to give in. We're not going to uh, stop going after your spies. Not that we have to any great degree, but that's got to be, you know, up. The ante have to has to be up now. We need to go after Chinese spies. We need to target and crack down espionage by the Chinese in this country. They've done enormous amounts of damage, and so the idea that somehow we're going to ease up even more just because they happen to have conducted this heinous act of essentially abducting two two Canadians and bringing them up against up on you know trumped up charges that had no basis in fact or legitimacy but it did uh, at least show the rest of the world who these people really are i think the mask has come off you know there's no you know doubting that we're dealing with a a very uh, a despicable regime a fascistic regime in in, in china and then on, you add to that a prime minister who's no longer trusted by our closest allies with uh, the United States, the Aussies, the Brits, leaving Canada out of the now three eyes and uh, didn't even bother telling him that uh, they were going to be setting up this organization. And I doubt that that uh, Trudeau knew anything about the fact that the Michaels had been released until the very last minute. I have no doubt that uh, the Americans, despite how corrupt Joe Biden happens to be, um, have any faith whatsoever that Justin Trudeau is a guy that they have any trust or want to have tr any trust, any dealings with. No, I, I, I agree that it was, uh, Trudeau was totally cut out of the deal. It was uh, a negotiation between maybe the U S state department or the DOJ and the communist Chinese uh, gangsters. You know, you had one criminal family basically negotiating with another and uh, tr Trudeau is, is uh, he's not one of them. He's not to be trusted. He's to be slapped around and put in his place and used and abused at their convenience. Yeah. And you would think that the Chinese would uh, like the fact that uh, this guy seems to want to cozy up to them, but they don't have any respect for him either. <laughs> so. Nobody likes a sycophant. <laughs> Nobody likes a, uh, you know, an obsequious. I mean, he's got 32% of the popular, 32% of the popular. Do you believe that? 
He's got 32%. You believe that, 32% of the popular vote. And that's well, uh, 32% of 58%, which is what the voter turnout was. So he's got 18% of the popular vote. 18%. He's he the most unpopular prime minister, but probably one of the most unpopular elected officials ever in the history of this country. And you would think that the, the bought off media would, you know, deal with that issue. It's, it's a huge elephant in the row. The fact that we have a, a prime minister who's governing basically while over two thirds of the population wants to throw him out and has makes, wanted to. He makes Nikolai Ceausescu look like, uh, <laughs> you know, Mr. Popularity. Yeah, we all things didn't work out very well for Nikolai and his wife, of course, the former was a president of Romania. Yes. Yeah, he ended up in front of a firing squad. Oh, well. My friend, thank you so much. Let's uh, let's keep this up. This is a lot of fun. Always a pleasure. You can catch Richard Serrett on uh, Saga 960 AM from 4 p.m. Eastern to 6 p.m. Eastern. You can also listen. Uh, you can stream his content live on Saga960AM.ca. My show is on from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Mornings also on Saga 960 AM. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's do it again real soon, shall we? Bye-bye for now.